Hey, it's Heidi Rain and her gorgeous husband, Douglas McGurk. Doug Indeed. McGurk. Hello. Indeed. So welcome back to Codependency and Addiction, the place where we, our hope is really to restore peace, love, and sanity and happiness to families all around the world. And we're not for everybody. We're very specifically for people that are dealing with addiction and their dynamic. Now, we've talked about this so much so often that addiction isn't just limited to substances that we're ingesting. Yes, there's so many ideas when we hear the word addiction that I think it's, oh, it's someone drinking or smoking crack or doing heroin or it's not that but we're talking about behavioral addictions, state addictions. There's lots of different types of addictions. And now some of the addictions that are becoming more and more prevalent are dealing with sex addiction, pornography addiction. I don't even know if we're going to get like in trouble for saying these words on here. Sometimes even on my channel, I think I get like hidden a little bit, you know, just because I deal with addiction and that's, you know, Hey, look, let's call them non-resourceful patterns. Not a lot of people are talking about this. There's a big gap in the world that we decided that we wanted to help. Um, so I mean, long story today, we're going to talk about our relationship a little bit and where we've come from as a couple and our codependent recovery journey on the path together and how we've arrived at this place of interdependence, which is being able to rely on each other's strengths, accentuate and accept our weaknesses and be able to be a force of good in the world together and not have turmoil and confusion and dysfunction inside of our relationship, but be able to work on the turmoil and dysfunction and confusion outside of our relationship and help other couples restore the hope too. Because the, you know, the dream never dies, right? Of having a beautiful family that's functioning and healthy, but it well, just the feels the day, like a wonder, like the what the hell important. that is. They're like, it, well, what is, what is a healthy thing? But well, there's the joke too, that like every family's dysfunctional and then, they're not then, really. then it becomes acceptable. Then it's accepted. Okay. Right, right. All right. It's dysfunctional. Oh, what am I going to do? It's every, oh, everybody's dysfunctional. Yeah. Why bother well, doing anything about I it? I actually had the, one of the most dysfunctional people in my life as I was confronting them on their dysfunction go, everybody's out up. Like that. I was like, not to this extent. Okay. And I was having having a conversation with a client today, you know, about um, the Jekyll and Hyde personality that she's dealing with, with addiction and her Mm. dynamic. And, you know, and the defense of the person is like, oh, all people are up and down and all over the place. And I'm like, some people, most people have a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. We're all on the spectrum of something. Okay. But how no, big is your spectrum? I'm the non-spectrum <laughs> spectrum. I'm not even a- <laughs> How big is your spectrum? Some people just go in a little tiny, uh, you know, little bumps in the road. Like when you're riding your bicycle and you go over those little, like slow down things when you're driving and other people are a damn roller coaster mm-hmm. and there's twists and turns. And so you have to know what kind of a ride you're built for and cut out for and decide if you want to go on that ride or not. And then if you do go on it, how to buckle up and strap in. And that's really what we want to help you learn how to do because we don't just handle your normal average relationships. We deal in shit shows and people that are having that said, you look like you have it together on the outside. Somebody looking at you might not think that you're dealing with. And that's what's crazy. Like if you see someone who you go, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Imagine what it's like when it's not in front of people. 
when they're having to hide it, they're yeah. having to pretend. And we're going to talk about that today, actually, the different codependent positions we can get in when we're in these dysfunctional relationships and how these codependent dynamics work in couples and what roles we're playing with each other. Because here's what codependency is. Codependency is essentially a way to function and dysfunction. You know, we take it on either when we're born, when we wake up into a family dynamic that's not firing on all cylinders, we go through the birth canal, you know, we come out and this is so gross, right? When I act like I'm being birthed, but I come out of the birth canal and I look around and I go, huh, who do I need to be in order to be okay? Survive, thrive, Mm -hmm. connect, or cope in this family. And I take on a personality pattern. Now, if any time you're interested in one of our eight patterns that we've discovered, you can go download our free book, Attachment Personality Patterns, and figure out, and the test is coming. How excited Mm -hmm. are we? We Super. actually created a personality test. Can you imagine? This is like a dream come true of mine. Now, I'm a personality super self-help junkie. How many books are in well, our library downstairs? You build us a library downstairs, and what is it? Uh, it's 15 feet by 10 feet. Yeah, and it's full of books. And my friends come over and they go, did you actually read these things? And, well, and remember like, when we yeah. when we put it together, we were like, oh my gosh, we had so many duplicates. We read like, the oh. same books. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've always been on a personal development mission you know, to help people. And, so well, many and people you particularly that we, love taking the test. You take every- I love personality yeah. tests. I am like obsessed with personality tests. So we created our own codependent attachment personality pattern test that's coming soon. So now you can get the book while it still lasts because that's coming down and the test is going up at HeidiRain.com. Don't go now, go later after we're done. But the people that we help are usually personal development junkies too. Yeah. They, that's not their first Robbins, Tony Robbins rodeo, okay? These are people that have been in the platinum partnership at Tony Robbins where outsiders looking in are like, Oh my God, you know, hey, their life's perfect. Oh my God, they have all the, they have money. They must have no problems. You know, they're successful. They must have no problems. And behind closed doors, one of us has been binge drinking an alcoholic that's, that's, erratically behaving up and down. It's a roller coaster ride. They're trying to hide their addiction or fix them or try to stop it from happening. Or somebody has a pornography addiction and that's creating rifts in the relationship, which by the way is bigger now than it ever has been. I think we started to say that. Yeah. And that's an addiction that we take personally. Now, so much of our work is teaching people how to not take other people's addictions personally because that's codependent. Like your behavior impacts my behavior and my behavior impacts your behavior and we're responsible for each other's feelings and thoughts and behaviors, which we are not. But if you if you do heroin, if you go out and do some heroin, I'm not going to sit around and go, what's wrong with me? Now, I might, might depending upon how degree. codependent I am. Yeah. But if you go look at pornography, then I say, well, what's wrong with me? And that's a normal question that people ask. Do even you find though them prettier than me? It, and people that are in their addiction, you know what they'll say? Yeah. Uh, when they're trying to blame you and gaslight you for the addiction, just like a, a, a drug addict will blame you for their addiction. So will somebody who's looking at pornography say, oh, well, that's they'll do stuff you won't do with me. Uh, I find them attractive. Uh, they give me something that you can't give me. And all of those are lies. So you can imagine how even the most successful person in the world who knows what they can do in the world will lose their sense of value and self-esteem in a relationship that is crazy making, such as an addicted dynamic. And and it, it goes both ways as well, meaning the person who is involved in whatever that is, the porn or the other, that they have their own issues that they're not being self Hello. self-expressed to be able to have that conversation to say, hey, here's, you know, here's what I like, here's you know what I'm looking for. And if you can't have that conversation, that is a breeding ground for these types of challenges. For yeah, sure. gaslighting and everything else. And so 
you know, codependents will often say, specifically the type of codependents we help. One, so there are eight different types. Okay, let's talk about some of these codependent stuckness positions you can be in. One of the codependent patterns that we teach and have created and talk about isn't a new concept, but it's a new way to think about it in this dynamic, and that's the pattern of the fixer. Many people who are personal development junkies start with trying to fix themselves, right? Like what's wrong with me is that internal question. Many times these are people who grew up in kind of dysfunctional houses. They weren't firing on all cylinders, but they escaped and achieved and climbed ladders. And they're always wanting to be better, achieve more and do better. So they're attracted to fixing things. These people make excellent leaders, excellent, uh, not bosses, but leaders really, mm -hmm. because they're, they're interested in, you know, having things work properly, their turnaround specialists and things like that. Well, and it's a natural uh, byproduct of going on the work to go, Ooh, it worked for me. It's yeah. going to work for you. And fixers have a heart of gold. They yep. really want to help people. And there's nothing wrong with that personality type. We both have that personality type clearly, right? The challenge begins when we do not do it as part of our ministry or a, our mission in life, and instead we do it in our intimate relationships. What do you want most in your intimate relationship? What do you want from your partner more than anything else? If you could boil it all down, what do we really want with true love? That is such a deep question. I'm, I'm just gonna, I know my answer, but I'm just going to get your answer. Off the cuff, Doug. We didn't practice this yeah. or talk about it, but what is it? The, the freedom to be yourself, to, to just Bam. be, yeah. Be dong. Bam, bing, gam, yeah Bingo. Just... Okay. I don't want to be changed. I don't want to be fixed. I want to be loved for exactly who and how I am. That's what we all want. We want to be seen, accepted, loved, treasured, and cherished for who we are at our core. Now, well, I can't love, how am I supposed to love that? Look at that. Look at that person. That person is a raging freakazoid. Uh, they're, they're a psycho. So yes, we need to excavate the authentic self. When somebody's dealing with addiction, they are not themselves. They are an addicted personality. They weren't born with that. An addicted personality is what's created from addiction. And if you want more understanding of that, we'll come inside of one of our programs and we'll mm -hmm. teach it to you. But it, it, Or read the book. There's a book called Addicted Personality, I think. So at the end of the day, we want to... We're not supposed to just accept everybody like, what's that quote, Marilyn? If you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Well, nobody wants your worst. Okay. Nobody wants you to be. So what can, we can you handle you at your worst? Hello. What we want to say to ourselves is I'm committed enough to let myself be seen and try excavate my authentic self, which means I have no masks. I have no codependency. I have no addictions. I'm my true authentic self. And then we say, can I radically love and accept that who you are? But don't think that you accepting somebody with an addiction is accepting them and their addicted state. That's not who they are. In recovery, it is. Mm -hmm. A person in recovery is their authentic self so long as they're working recovery. So we have to know it's okay to say, I want to be with you so long as you're on the road to recovery, but not when you're in active addiction because I'm not with you when you're in active addiction. And fooling yourself because you're not there. I keep going, hello. I'm just going to preach. I, <laughs> I, I, one of my beloved uh, friends, students, and clients, Katie, she's actually here today. She has become uh, one of our uh, coaches inside of our program at the Codependency Institute. And she speaks on this topic. So uh, if she ends up making 
Um, she anyway, why I brought her up is because she always says when we're in our sessions and our groups, preach, you know, she, mm-hmm. I just love her because she brings that energy. Um, and that's part of the reason she's so passionate that she became a coach. And I believe she's going to make a to- uh, video on the topic we were just talking about, which I is know. like sex addiction and things like that. So we will link that here for you guys to watch. Um, and she works with us as well. So you can reach out to her as well, Katie, uh, and she'll, she'll, she's in the comments, you'll be able to see her. But so back to this fixer personality. I'll be attracted to it in my people. I'll want to fix you and fix your addiction and think that I have much more power than I actually have. So mm. whose job is it to be in recovery? Whose job is it to work on their own stuff? You know, nobody can do that for you. As much as you would like somebody to do that stuff for you, if they could like instantly heal you of that thing you have, but you know, intuitively, instinctively that it's an inside job. But somehow when we learned about our partner, we forget that. Now you, you have this fixer personality. So how has this gotten you into trouble in the past in your relationships, Douglas, put the mic. (laughs) Well, how has this, how, what, how's this kept you stuck in the past? Well, because nothing, everything's always under construction. It's always a piece in work, as it were. So whenever there would be an opportunity to use some of these coaching skills and, oh, and all that. You were coaching in your stuff. Yeah. Okay. It, um, well, I mean, we, we kind of came up with our own little no coaching protocol, uh, you know, only mm-hmm. coaching if we ask for it or ask permission before the coaching because you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm -hmm. So the hell of a relationship can be paved by the constantly trying to fix it. And then what happens is if you're in that mindset, the presupposition of a fixer is something's broken. So now I'm going to be constantly running a filter of what's broken here. What can I fix? What's broken in you? You're broken. How can I fix you? Which yeah. is much more personal than it's broken. Is you're broken? That's why I didn't say that. Well, that's what people feel. I know. You know, so it's we we got to say the thing, right? We say the thing, and this is why we love each other so much because I'm the hammer and you're the velvet. Okay, I'm the pe- I'm the pill and you're the peanut butter. You make it go down easier, right? Like yeah. you you I, I'm the medicine and you're the sugar. So you're the sweet. I'm the spice. All right. I'm the I'm the sweet slap, and savory. I'm the slap, and you're the soothe. Yeah. All right. That's how this thing works. So I know for me, uh, the fixer in me was, had me in a 10 year relationship with somebody who was a love addict. And I saw all this potential. There was this chemistry in this relationship. There was this, you know, incredible I'm just kidding. <laughs> chemistry in the relationship. So I thought, you know, now what we relationship? know n- none, honey, I've had no relationships. Uh, so. but I saw an opportunity like I could see clearly, oh my gosh, he's wrestling with this thing underneath of it. He's, he could be committed. He could be this really great person. And what I put all the focus, a fixer takes all their energy and goes, you're the problem. You're the issue. If you would just fix your stuff, we'd be okay. So 10 years, we did this dance back and forth where he only wanted me when I was breaking up with him because he liked the thrill of the chase and the hunt. And once he had it, he rejected it. And so, but then I realized there's a point in every fixer's life where they go, you know, the person, even if the person does change or whatever, and the person starts to get better. And, and then you have this moment of come to Jesus where you look at yourself. 
I was so codependent and I was unhealed as a fixer at the core because I was constantly trying to prove my value. And I picked a partner that would make me prove my value because I was constantly not being chosen. Well, so it was two peas in a codependent pod. Yeah. but And there's a secondary Clinger gain. and withholder. Yeah. Clinger and withholder. Those are those two patterns I'm talking about. There's a uh, the secondary gain as well for the fixer or anyone who puts their focus on someone else is they get to ignore their own challenges. Exactly. And then what happens is once that person may do that work, do the healing and, and maybe actually get healed or better or whatever language one would use in that scenario, then they go, holy crap, I guess I'm looking at myself now. And then- That's not fun. Yeah, they may decide to find another person to fix or find another situation or create a new problem and avoid the inner work that they will benefit from. Yeah, I realized in that relationship that, you know, that was a codependence too. A lot of people come into this work of codependency recovery because really what we want to do is just heal our relationship dynamic for good. And they think, again, they're codependent, but not me. But codependent is codependent, codependent. It is two people. So here's the patterns that hook up. A fixer will always, not ever, never, not always hook up with a victim. And again, you can download these personalities with the criteria, the diagnostics, diagnostics for the pattern, not the pathology. Okay, we deal in patterns, not pathology. But a fixer and a victim always hook up with one another. What's the issue there is that there's never going to be any momentum until that person that's a victim gets out of that pattern. It's like a fixer needs somebody wounded and a wound and a victim needs a, a, a rescuer. So they have to hook up with one another. But just as a fixer thinks they're making efforts with the victim, right? They're like, they're telling him all the things they need to do. They're like looking up all the programs. They're hiring the coach. They're putting them on the program. They're doing everything. And then the victim always, always comes back and says, well, you picked the wrong thing. <laughs> That thing didn't really you work. Picked, because, it was the treatment center's fault. Because I'm a, different yeah. and that doesn't work for me. So a victim will consistently and continually come up with reasons that didn't work. But if a fixer is stuck in that pattern, that's a dream come true and a nightmare at the same time mm -hmm. because they continue to get to keep, oh, well, let me try harder. Put my cape on, run to the rescue, try to fix harder and harder. My so, purpose is to solve your problems. There's no way out of that pattern. You have to understand that there's no way out of that pattern when you're in it unless you come up out of the pattern yourself. You have to be willing to say, I'm being a fixer here. I've got to come out of this in my intimate relationships, focusing on a mission and a ministry and stop doing it at home so that I can be a more effective human being and have a more loving, happy, healthy, healed relationship. Another pattern that hooks up all the time is a clinger and a withholder. And these patterns drive each other crazy. It's kind of the one that I was describing earlier can be with a fixer victim, but a clinger victim, a clinger withholder is somebody that um, like clingers are extreme. Like I'm touching you like you're a clinger, but clingers are <laughs> clingers. are <laughs> One of clingers best traits is that they're extremely loyal. The problem sometimes is they're loyal to a fault. Mm. A clinger falls in love very quickly. They see somebody and they're just like head over heels. They fall in love. They love the idea of love. Uh, they want to be together all the time. They crave that togetherness. Our daughter is a clinger, stage five, okay? I'm driving in the car the other day. I'm driving in the car the other day, and the kid is literally, she's eight, and she's trying to get in my lap. 
as of, I think if she could crawl back up in the womb and just marinate in the soup again, she would just go up in there every night, sleep in the womb, and then maybe choose to come out in a couple of days and get some snacks. I mean, she... Well, and she'd probably find a way <laughs> to get us to provide the snacks inside yeah, the Can we deliver room? the snacks? Just yeah. hook up the envelope card, put yeah. a whole Dorito down it, just feed me. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It'll be interesting sure. to see as she grows if that's, that's how she... Why she not? Grows. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. How do we create attachment issues as parents? This is how this dynamic gets set, set up. Is if we have a clinger kid, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't call them a clinger yet. We call them connected, attached, right? I call her my little octopus. We have an octopus, right? We're, we're attached. We have all these attachments and we love it, right? And so, but for me, if I was a withholding parent that did not, I did not fix my trauma, from my own codependency that was passed on to me generationally, that's how this happens. And a withholder wants love too. They want it desperately, but they keep people at an arm's distance. They keep people just so close because they're petrified of being rejected at their mm. core. Now, a clinger is afraid of being abandoned. So these are the which two, is, abandonment which is another, and rejection. They're the same. Right, same sides of a different coin, same coin, different sides. Now, if I was a withholder and I would say, oh my God, you're too close. Get, come on, get off me. Oh, constantly. What is this? You know, or I'd give it to her and take it away and give it to her and take it away and then be really close to her. And then withholders will be close. And then they'll do something like a distancing technique to make distance again. They'll create a fight. They'll create an argument. Now I was a withholder in my relationships before I healed it. I grew up that love is pain. Do not get too close to people. You can only count on yourself. People will hurt you. So I kept everybody just like this. Okay. I did not want to get too close. My feelings, I always picked people that were more into me than I was into them, you know, at times because I just didn't want to risk it. And so what ends up happening though, is because if I was that person, Elevi would then search out that dynamic to heal it for the rest of her life. She would only hook up with withholders and she would be the clinger. That's how these patterns get laid. We teach people how to do love, how to be in love, how to connect with one another. And so I, as, as a healed person, as a securely attached person, as a, as a trauma survivor healed, I can give her what she needs. Now, I'm not going to let her come in my lap when she's driving, but boy, I can go over and squeeze only her. Only because she say, didn't fit. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm like, sure, <laughs> let's drive the car together. <laughs> yeah. So I want you to be thinking about as we're talking. Uh, now, I know it's hard if you don't have that pattern book in front of you. That's why you need to get your hot little hands on it. You need to go over to HeidiRain.com and download that book. And again, the test is coming out soon so that we can start the conversation. But I think from every conversation here out, we want to be identifying our attachment patterns because that is how we are and codependency and co-addicted relationships in a brand new way that's really going to hit home. It's going to help you see yourself and see your partner because what's the goal is to awareness is the first step to any kind of breakthrough here. And we have to have awareness of how we're showing up and how our partner is showing up. What role are we playing with each other? Where is that codependent identity? Where are we stuck in our dynamic with one another? The last pattern that we'll talk about today that if we have time, do we? Uh, I get, yeah, I have, I have like 10 minutes. You have 10 minutes. I'm caught. You're mm. so in demand. Yeah, well. You've got, yeah. Okay. Uh, I know you are. This oh, is you a have, text. I have I've, your text messages. Now this is trust guys. My husband has given me every iPad. Like we, 
you always give me your, cause I'm not a new person. Doug is always like, what's new? Yeah. Give me the best well, thing and the new thing. No, well, this is also cause we got Ellie needed. Them. I know, but you yeah. also are like that. I no? didn't get the newest one. Well, that's good. Yeah. But, but do you like new things? I do. Yes. And- I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a tech nerd. Yeah. So for me, I don't like two new things. I like things that work and work for a long time and they're good quality and they'll last. And so anyway, I always get your hand-me-downs when you get the new thing because I don't like the new thing or want the new thing. And his text messages are always on my my iPad. So that's that's the definition. So that's that's like, his, you know, like that's the kind of dynamic that, I don't, but I don't have to worry about it. I remember when I realized that I had healed and I'd married a man that was, I married a man with character, okay, was in my past relationship when somebody was late to somewhere, okay, I would immediately go into these thoughts of, oh my God, where are they? Why are they doing this to me? How could they possibly do this to me? Um, who are they with? What are they doing? Can I, how can I track it? How can I figure stuff out? Da, 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 da. And as I've healed, one time you were late and I couldn't get a hold of you. It was the only time that I couldn't be able to get a hold of him. And I was frantic to get a hold of him. And my only thought, my only thought was, is he okay? It wasn't, where is he? What's he doing? And so you know that you're in a healthy situation when your first thought is the, is the, is the healthiest. Uh, my, you're not contacting me because you're, you're stuck. Something's wrong, not you're being a dick. Okay. There's, there's a big difference between. So the last pattern we're going to talk about really quick in a few minutes is pleasers and controllers. And this is where, you know, you're in a relationship with somebody. If you're a pleaser, you have such a good heart. You're a peacekeeper. You, you're, you are in your family. If it was dysfunctional, you were the peacemaker in your family. You were the one that was like calming everybody down and deescalating situations and making things, you know, okay. But if that's unhealed and that doesn't go resolved, peacemakers or pleasers turn into enablers. And people that enable and allow bad behavior in their relationships because they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to upset people. They don't want to go against the system. And these are the people that walk on eggshells. And the controllers are often the addict or alcoholic in that dynamic or the abusive person or the narcissistic person that is going to try to convince how that pleaser is going to think, behave, and feel all the time. And so that's another codependent position we get stuck in. So just for today, what I would, what we would like you to do is to go over to HeidiRain.com and download the free book, Attachment Personality Patterns, so that we can start the first um, conversation about this. And as we go through, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about how these patterns develop. We'll go into detail about each pattern together, talk about it a little bit more, answer your questions. So make sure that you're putting your questions on whatever platform you happen to be on today. And we want to connect with you. We want to hear from you. What do you want to know about? What can we help you with and how can we, because ultimately again, what is the goal? Yeah, and and share if if you want also if you've noticed when when you go through it how you are behaving in that like well what, that's what we want to see because yeah, you'll yeah. go through and go well you're this yeah yeah no don't yeah no don't you're go a controller don't don't go and worry about like psychoanalyzing the yeah. people in your world oh, just tick, go tick, oh this tick. is you have this you have this you have this you have this take this test yeah 
So imagine kind of like the the archetypes that when we watch a movie or read a book, we go, oh, wow, that's okay. That's cool. Because there are positives to all of these as well. I, I think there's it's this isn't about like uh, finding just issues. It's like, okay, how can you, wh what can we use to celebrate as well? Celebrate what works and add And the coolest missing. thing in the world is I know like my, our, our, we have the program Codependency Breakthrough, which takes three months to undo these patternings, right? And we are at the process of identity embodiment uh, next week. And all of the students are going to come into the course and they're going to, they're going to behave and act and dress as their new identity embodiment, their most authentic self. We've eradicated the codependency pattern. We've uprooted it. We've figured out where it comes from. We've taken the best parts of it, the things that work, the things we don't want to get rid of. And now, but now we've created a more authentic version, a freer version of who we really are. Because again, what do we want at the end of the day? We want to be loved and accepted and seen and cherished and adored and respected, I said, for exactly who we are. And well, in we order for, to have that happen, you have to first figure out who you aren't. You have to first figure out the patterns that you've been enacting to be loved for who you really are. Because we're not who we really are. We're likely who we've needed to be. And that's what codependency is. All right? We love you so much. Here's to peace, love, and sanity in your family and in your relationships. And until the next time, we'll see you next week around the same time. That's right. We love you for who you are and who you aren't. All right. God bless. Bye.